All right, well, we welcome you to the Going Places podcast. Your host, Camden Clark here. And uh, we have a very special episode for you today. We have a great interview with uh, someone who's just doing an incredible job, someone who I respect a lot, especially in uh, the political world today, uh, Representative William Timmons. He represents uh, South Carolina's 4th District in Congress. Thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, so um, just get right into it. What inspired you to run for office? You know, I think the story uh, is the same with a lot of my colleagues. I was frustrated with government. Um, yeah. I was a small business owner. I was a prosecutor. And I just thought that the government um, was making my life difficult. And it shouldn't be that way. As a prosecutor, the criminal justice system needed to be updated. It was antiquated. And um, we needed to add technology, add best practices to get not only the victims uh, better justice, but also hold criminals accountable and help people that made bad decisions get back on their feet. Uh, and then as a small business owner, I was spending all my time uh, working on taxes um, and compliance and I was not able to run my business. And that's not right. We should make it easier to uh, start a business so you can um, you know, contribute to society. And uh, so yeah, that's why I jumped in. Yeah, so business, definitely. What was your business you were in? So I remember uh, businesses. Swamp Rabbit CrossFit is a CrossFit gym in Unity Park. Um, Soul Yoga is a yoga studio right next door. And then I actually own uh, the building. So I, I developed, redeveloped the whole building. And then uh, I had a law practice briefly. So a number of different businesses. Yeah, that's incredible. What's your greatest accomplishment in Congress you feel like that you're most proud of? You know, we did... Uh, a lot of good during the pandemic, saved a lot of lives, kept a lot of people from um, having filed bankruptcy, uh, just constituent services generally. Uh, our accessibility and our team's, um, abil- our team's capabilities as it relates to getting the federal government to do what we need them to do uh, is just an incredibly rewarding experience and having that impact on the people that I represent um, is huge. Absolutely. I think a lot of times when you see in the U.S. House, as opposed to the Senate, where they maybe focus a little bit more on the constituency a lot of times, and I think because the districts are so much smaller, that that often plays a lot to do with it. Uh, So House Republicans won the majority in 2022. You have divided government because Democrats have the Senate and the White House. You know, I think you definitely get to stop kind of this one-party system that we had the first two years where they were just passing and signing and kind of just uh, having the majority. But now that we have a divided government, what can they do to have effective change in policy, whether it be with the border, the economy, education, that actually makes a difference, even if it may not pass all branches? Yeah, well, the first thing is um, we had to stop the spending. Uh, The the federal government, Democrats in Congress, uh, spent $7 trillion in the last three and a half, four years. Um, obviously, we did the CARES Act under Trump. That was $2 trillion. The rest of the $5 trillion uh, was partisan. It was party-line votes. And uh, it's just bad for the economy. Infusing that, that much money into the economy is what caused inflation to go up. It's what's caused interest rates to go up. If you've been saving money to buy a house, um, your, your mortgage payment has more than doubled in the last 30 months. And that's just unacceptable. Cost of groceries are up. Cost of energy is go, going up. We had 3.4 million people cross the southern border in the last 30 months. That's crazy. So um, what can we do? Number one is put a stop to all of it. Um, and we stopped the spending uh, as it relates to border security. I think you're going to see here in the next month and a half that um, House Republicans are going to be using the 
the uh, required uh, appropriations bills as a way to leverage uh, the situation. So we're going to do our best to secure the border. Uh, we got to address the weaponization of government. The Department of Justice is out of control. The FBI is out of control. The IRS. We have whistleblowers coming forward every day telling us what's going on. Uh, it doesn't take much to see that we have a two-tiered system of justice, and it's just it's unacceptable. So we're going to be using the appropriations process to put a stop to it. And um, you know, it's going to be a bumpy few months, but I'm, I'm optimistic that we'll we'll, we'll we'll right the ship and uh, get back on course. Definitely, that's awesome. That's one thing I want to ask you about. You know, you're on the House Oversight Committee. And I believe you did an event with uh, Russell Fry the week before or last week. I did. We had a great, a great turnout here in Greer. Yeah, I hate I missed that. So, which is the House Oversight Committee, which has been investigating, you know, the bias, especially with Huntel's foreign business dealings and uh, the laptop. But it seems like this investigation has picked up a little bit in the last two or three weeks. Uh, what do you expect from that to come forward when we're kind of on the end of this? And what are your thoughts on it? Well, I guess first, the IRS and the FBI and DOJ all knew what was going on. They're just covering for them. And only because we now have subpoena power have we been able to get to get the uh, bank records that show the payments, shows the, uh, you know, 27, 30 different shell companies that they're routing money through, at least $20 million, but I think it'll be closer to 50. Um, you know, we have now know what happened. We know what happened. And uh, our criminal justice system could have easily uncovered it and they had a lot of evidence and they just ignored it all. So um, we've only really, you know, we're seven months in, eight months in. We didn't get the gavels until January. We didn't send subpoenas out. Uh, we didn't get any replies for the subpoenas until March. So, I mean, it, it's, we're really only four or five months in. So um, we're getting more and more information. I'm not sure if you saw, but I mean, originally Joe Biden said that he had nothing to do with any of it, didn't talk to anybody. His son's just doing stuff, and then we now have uh, his Hunter's business partner, Devin Archer, saying that there were over two dozen uh, phone calls on speakerphone where uh, Joe Biden, uh, as the vice president, was speaking with his son and his business partners. And uh, now, uh, and by the way, the, the, the Democrats' talking point on that was they were just talking about the weather, which I find to be hilarious. And now we have emails, a fake email account, um, what is it, something, Peters, uh, you know, the president has a pseudonym that he's communicating with his son and Burisma executive. So, I mean, we are building the case for impeachment. Um, at the end of the day, this president has compromised our national security because he sold policy decisions to his son's uh, foreign uh, business partners against the best interests of the U.S. And uh, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Absolutely. I think that's something that I've seen is that the narrative especially not just from the Democratic Party, but the media as well. You see where it goes from, he had nothing to do about it. Well, maybe he did, but uh, they were just talking about things not relating to that. To police, we're going to have to admit that uh, it's pretty heavy stuff. So, well, and I think what people need to understand is that Joe Biden didn't think this mattered because he was the vice president, he was term limited, Obama was term limited, Hillary Clinton was running, he was done with his political career, and he'd been in office for almost 40 years. So he viewed it as... You know, I'm going to make a little money on the way out. It's all right. Yeah. You know, take care of my family. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, he is the president. Yeah. And he committed uh, a, a whole bunch of, uh, I mean, you know, you can argue it's treason, selling selling U.S. policy decisions for millions of dollars. That's, uh, it's definitely bribery. Yeah, um, definitely. So, uh, you know, we're going to be 
getting to the bottom of it. And it's, it's sad that it takes the oversight committee to do that. It was so, it's supposed to take uh, the FBI, the IRS, when they had ample evidence that uh, criminal conduct occurred, but they were actively covering for him. They were actively covering for him, and um, we're done. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. So James Comel, that's the chair of the House Oversight Committee. What's he like in these investigations? In the He's doing great. You know, he started out, uh, got sworn in as chairman, and um, I think it's really important to remember that he never, he has never said impeachment, um, you know, people wanted to impeach him day one because the Democrats abused impeachment and didn't have any uh, evidence and they impeached President Trump twice. And I mean, it's just crazy. So he has not, he has, he has been very um, slow. He's been very thorough. He's been very intentional. He's been very responsible with the way that he communicates with the media, with his uh, committee members and with the public. And I think that that's, that's what you're going to see. I do believe that we will uh, impeach President Biden. And I do believe that um, unlike President Trump, who I believe to be completely innocent of uh, both things that the Democrats impeached him for. Yes. I mean, the, the, the hilarious part is that Trump got impeached for asking President Zelensky um, to look into the illegal uh, Biden mafia family dealings in Ukraine. He got impeached for that. But... He's just like, this is ridiculous. Everybody knows Hunter's on the take. Everybody knows Joe was selling U.S. policy decisions. Why is he not held accountable? And um, they impeached President Trump for that. At the end of the day, the only person that committed a crime was Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. So um, I just find that to be ironic. Yeah, I agree with that. So one last time, impeachment, you do see that as something that will happen. I do. We're still making the case. I think the emails are going to be huge. Um, you know, if we get a smoking gun where he's communicating uh, with somebody in President Poroshenko's administration, this is back in 2017, 2016, where he says, I need you to fire, um, you know, Inspector General Shokin, he's corrupt, and he, but in fact, he's really only investigating Burisma, and let's just say he BCCs somebody on the Burisma board, he BCCs somebody um, in, uh, in, the, in the government, whatever it is, he can do a thousand things. But if we get if we get that smoking gun, um, I think he'll probably have to resign. Mm. So I mean, you know, they're going to be persecuting Trump, abusing the criminal justice system with yes. the four different jurisdictions, ninety-one indictments for all nonsense. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think while we're doing this, might as well walk through that. I say all nonsense. Um, you know, you got to start out. There's a civil case uh, that is supposed to go to trial in October of this year. You have the New York. Uh, criminal case um, over uh, alleged FEC violations, which have got a very novel legal argument that there's a hook into uh, state law from federal law. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, the General Assembly had to pass a statute to get get past the lack of uh, jurisdiction over a statute of limitations issue. So, you know, there'll be a New York case in January. Uh, you've got the Florida uh, Presidential Records Act violation case where he had... Um, he had classified materials in Mar-a-Lago that he was not supposed to have. Um, you know, that'll be in March. Keep in mind, Hunter Biden, I mean, uh, Joe Biden had uh, similar classified documents in his garage and Hillary Clinton's 3,000 emails don't even get me started. Uh, and then you have, uh, I guess it's going to be July, August. There's going to be the D.C. Uh, criminal trial regarding um, January 6th and uh, inciting violence. And then you've got uh, the Atlanta case in 
October of next year uh, for uh, attempting to overturn the election, which is just absolute nonsense. The people that need to be held accountable are the people that cheated in the election and changed election laws in violation of uh, the Constitution, which um, is what President Trump was mad about and what the whole country was mad about, because the Democrats did cheat. They did it intentionally. Whether it would change the outcome of the election, I'm not going to opine on. But I can tell you right now that the unconstitutional election law changes that were made by the Democrats intentionally and systematically in coordination with get out the vote uh, operations, that's cheating. Absolutely. That's just cheating. Definitely. And so, yes, President Trump oversimplifies and stopped to steal the election stolen, but um, they did cheat and the, the media is covering for them. And I have a feeling that over the next uh, 12 months, the whole country is going to appreciate uh, exactly what happened and the Democrats and the media run run scared. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that it was definitely a dual system of justice in America for them. I mean, I think whatever they blame Republican for is oftentimes that they're guilty of themselves. For sure. Absolutely. So, not to bring out old relics here, but the Congress got off to kind of a dicey start this January with the House Speaker election. And I think it all ended up fine. I don't think anyone you know, still stuck on that now. But I did find it entertaining to watch as, a, as like a political junkie. So what was some, what was that experience like for you? Well, one, it was long. Uh, 15 votes for speaker. The first speaker vote was like three and a half hours. Towards the end, we got them done in like 75 minutes. Uh, people were ready to kind of continue on. But, um, you know, I actually don't think that it was as painless as people think. Like, we're still dealing with it. Mm. There's still... Um, residual problems associated with it because the incentive structure has been overhauled. Um, now, if you yell, kick, scream, you get what you want. Uh, and unfortunately, when one of your kids wants ice cream and kicks and screams and gets ice cream, uh, you're going to eventually do the same thing. So uh, we're going to continue to see some challenges associated with the, uh, uh, the, 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 the diminished uh, historical precedents. And just we're in, a, we're in the Wild West, so this is all new. Um, but, you know, McCarthy's doing the best he can, and it's not an easy job. And, uh, you know, I just say he's, he's dancing, dancing through the fire. Yeah. And I think he's done a fine job. I mean, you know, I think, what, do you have to vote one time to vacate the chair, and there has to be another vote to speak? I don't think that's fair, because that's like if you're on a board somewhere and uh, one person doesn't like you, that means, like, they have to vote to change the CEO. I don't think that's fair at all. It's going to be interesting. Um, if, if he is not the speaker, there is no world in which there will be a more conservative speaker. So uh, I think the, some of my colleagues that threatened it previously have come to appreciate that. So um, I think he's safe for now. You think we have a good chance of retaining the House? Um, the next 15 months are going to be so chaotic. Um, you know, we just went over all the Trump uh, indictments and trials. You got Biden's going to be impeached. Uh, I mean, you know, if we get something that is as bad as I think might be coming, he, he would have to resign. I mean, um, there's a lot of Democrats in the House that uh, are not going to tolerate being compromised because he's been bribing. Uh, he's been bribed by foreign adversaries. So, I mean, you know, we'll see where, where it goes. But um, I think it's going to be very tumultuous. I think so much can happen between now and then. And, 
Um, I don't even think we know what issues are going to be uh, front of mind comes, come next election season. Absolutely. So, as we all know, the situation in Ukraine has been going on for like a year and a half now. Uh, Vladimir Putin has banned you from Russia. So I, proud of that. I know, which I thought was kind of cool. we got to frame that. Yeah, I would. But uh, what are your thoughts on you know that whole situation with, you know, there's a big uh, debate going on in our country about, you know, what foreign aid should look like for them. Uh, but how do you think this is going to end for everyone? Because I think this is going to end up being a, it could be a really big deal, especially if China decides to invade Taiwan or something like that. How do you think this is going to go? I mean, I guess we got to back up. And the manner in which President Biden withdrew us from Afghanistan was disgraceful. And it caused our allies not to trust us and our enemies not to fear us. And so here we are. Uh, we've already appropriated and authorized $140 billion to help Ukraine uh, push back on the Russian invasion. Uh, I supported the initial tranche, and I think that it is appropriate for us to send weapons and uh, resources uh, as opposed to sending uh, Americans to fight. Um, I'd rather spend dollars than blood. So, you know, that's that's where we are now. But the other thing is, is uh, we've been talking about Biden and his possible uh, compromised state. What What is really going on here and um, where's the money going and there's just a lot of questions that people have that are legitimate questions and uh, the next the next issue is shouldn't Europe be providing more uh, for a problem that is in their backyard yeah. um, it's a world away uh, it's thousands of miles away does it matter yes but um, again I, this president has not created any, any deterrent threat in any capacity um, he is weak, and our country's weak because of it. And uh, I'm shocked China hasn't already taken Taiwan, but um, I, I hope that they do not. Our military is wargaming to be pre to be prepared in the event that uh, they do make a move. But at the end of the day, it takes uh, leadership, it takes courage, and this president has neither. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of the armed forces, you are in the military. I'm in the South Carolina National Guard. I'm an Air Force officer, a captain, uh, JAG. I'm a lawyer, um, so yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> it, it can be fun. It, parts of it are great, other parts of it are not. Uh, some members of my unit are deploying here in a month and a half. Uh, I'm not deploying. Something about a four vote margin in the house makes me uh, needed, needed there, so. Yeah. Uh, but may, maybe next deployment I'll give it a go. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, so we were talking off camera about the debate. Uh, I'd just like to finish up with this, you know, 2024, we get a chance to uh, change some things about our country, change our leadership. Uh, you have already endorsed Trump in the presidential primary, right? I have, yes, in January. So what went into that decision? Why do you feel like he's the best choice? And what do you say to voters who want someone new? Well, I guess one, nobody can disagree that if Trump were still a president, that there would not be a war in Ukraine. Under no circumstances yeah. would Putin have invaded Ukraine. Um, our energy prices have gone up because of President Biden's decision. Our border is insecure because President Biden has intentionally made it that way. Our economy is overheating uh, and inflation is high. Interest rates are high because of the policies coming out of this president. And Trump uh, has an overwhelming uh, approval rating in every poll that is being done in every state that matters. So he will be our nominee. Uh, he's polling at 63% right now in the 4th Congressional District. Closest second is DeSantis at like 16, 17. 
So um, he's our nominee, period. Um, and Biden's theirs. And, um, you know, we have to pick between more of the failed policies of the Biden administration that is destroying this country and making this world unsafe or someone that will make the economy strong and um, bring peace to, to, to the planet. It's not a hard decision for me. Uh, would I prefer uh, the president be a little bit nicer uh, when he communicates with certain people in certain ways? Sure. Yeah. But um, we elected a guy from Manhattan, and that's what we get. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think Trump was by far the best president of my lifetime. I'm 16, so I don't really have much to compare it to. But um, I think at the same time, I think we have an incredible bench of other candidates in this race. I, I personally, like I said, if you want my post opinion, I think Trump is a great president, but I do think it's going to be hard to bring that back. I think there's a lot of baggage that comes with that from a candidate's perspective. Sure. Well, I hear you. Tim yeah. Scott is uh, everything good about this country and one human and is incapable of saying anything bad about anybody. Yeah. But again, Trump is our nominee and uh, we're going to do everything we can to get him elected. Um, I do have to go to the debates. Yes. So, uh, and my flight takes off in 15 minutes. Yeah, so, that's all. That's all I was just going to say. Uh, do you have any uh, final advice? I know you're big into the young Republicans. Do you have any final advice for uh, me, but also young conservatives with the podcast? And I mean, you know, find something you love uh, that you're passionate about and pour your heart into it, and uh, it'll be a worthy endeavor. But um, don't don't wake up every morning and dread doing whatever you're doing. Uh, obviously, certain days are worse than others, but if if, if you dread going to work or doing whatever you're doing, change it. Life's too short. Uh, find something you're passionate about and uh, pour yourself into it and it'll be rewarding and you'll be able to have an impact and leave the world better better off than you found it. Perfect. Mr. Timmons, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks a lot.